Kof Aleph 21a. And we got up to on Thursday night, I believe, Kanyat Kavaseder of Shila. So the third line, first word on the line. And what we had been discussing previously before we had a brief segue into a different conversation about noises, we had been discussing Machlekes of Shila and Rav as to when the Mishnah says that by the Kriyas Geber, by the sound of the, of the calling of the Geber, which is in a somewhat ambiguous word, at that time is when we start doing some of the Abayda, some of the service. So if Sheila said that Kriyas Gever means the sound of the rooster crowing, and Rav said that Kriyas Gever means the sound of the crier, of the person who's supposed to call out and you know, maybe blow on a, some sort of trumpet and say, you know, wake up, wake up, time to serve, right? So we have a Brisa like of Sheila. What's the Brisa? It says in the Brisa like this. If someone goes out to the road before the sound of the rooster's crow, blood is on his head. In this language of blood is on his own head is a way of saying that you have caused this uh, detrimental occurrence to happen to you, okay? So why is that so? So the reason why this is so is because you're not supposed to be traveling at night when it is still dark. You're not supposed to be traveling by yourself. So if you travel by yourself at night before the sound of the rooster's crow, then you are causing yourself to be open to certain uh, dangerous um, circumstances. Amen. Rabbi Yeshia Oimer, Rabbi Yeshia says, Ad she yishana. he says, it's not enough just to wait for the rooster to crow once, you have to wait for the rooster to crow twice. Some people say, Ad she yishale, until he has crowed three times. Is it amru? What type of rooster are we talking about? A rooster that is a typical rooster, it's somewhere in between, right? So if you had to make a, a chart, someone had a, a science experiment to figure out what time roosters are crowing. So we don't want to look for the, the, I guess we want to look for the mean, right? We want to look for the one that crows right in the middle of the other, other roosters. You have some roosters who crow too early, some roosters who crow later. Roosters who crow at the typical midpoint, that would be the rooster that you should wait for. According to some, you need to wait for it to crow twice. Some people, you need to wait for it to crow three times. But the fact of the matter is, what we see over here is this language of Kriyas Gever in reference to a regular person, not in the Beis HaMikdash. Now, a typical person, not in the Beis HaMikdash, not in the temple, there, we don't, we're clearly not referring to somebody making the announcement in each town. That's not the reference. The reference is to the roosters crowing. At the time when Yisrael would go into the regal, this is a poignant Gemara that I was doing it today. At the time that B'nai Yisrael would go up to be Ola regal, would go up to the Yerushalayim, right, into the Beis HaMikdash, right, for the, the three regalim, Sukkot, um, Pesach, and Shavuos. Ayim din tzafuf, they stand together very close together, they're very tight together. Tzafuf, according to one opinion, tzafuf refers to the fact that they were so closely entangled and so tight in this group that it actually caused a sense of being lifted off of your feet. Okay? However, when they would bend down to bow and as part of the service, right, when, when, when the Kain Gadol is saying Hashem's name and they would bend, they would all bow down, there'd be a lot of space in between them. Okay, this is going to be a miracle. In other words, there were so many people crowded in to the area that it almost made no sense that they'd be able to survive this crush. But when it came down time to bowing, they would have enough space. And they even went all the way deep into the base of Megash, all the way to the other side of the Kedesh HaKadash. Okay? So if, if, you're, if you guys have a diagram, maybe Archel has a diagram, the diagram of what the base of looks like. So the Kedesh HaKadashim is obviously within the Heichal, within the special, the Kodesh, what we call the holy place, right? Now that Heichal is all confined, it's all inside of the Azara, it's all inside of the, the greater structure of the base of 
what are we saying? In other words, it seems to be a non sequitur. What are you talking about? The fact that they crowded in past 11 Amas. What it's saying is like this even though they crowded in 11 Amas past the Kapairas, past the, the wall of the, of the Kedisha Gadash and the Holy of Holies, and when they stand, they're very closely pressed together. It's so crowded. When they bow down, they bow down with a lot of space between them. This is one of the ten miracles that happened in the Mesa Mikdash. We learned in a Mishnah. This is a very famous. There are ten miracles that happened in the Mesa Mikdash. A woman did not ever miscarry from the smell of the holy meat. Now, to be clear, women don't miscarry from the smell of the holy meat. What the Gemara talks about is the Mitzvah. The Gemara talks about often that if a woman is pregnant and she gets hit with a sudden urge to eat a specific food and we withhold that food from her, it actually can cause her to have an early termination of pregnancy. Okay? And it talks about this in, in reference to if a woman smells you know, a cheeseburger and she says, I need that right now or else I'm going to have a miscarriage and we allow her to eat that cheeseburger sometimes, right? If there's no other option at first, eating onion kipper. Now, you might have thought a woman's going to smell this, this meat roasting and she's not able to eat the meat roasting for whatever reason. Perhaps it's meat that only a cayenne could eat and she's going to be desperate for it. And maybe when we, we refuse her, that meat shall end up miscarrying. But it never once did that happen. The Basra Akedish never got spoiled, right? It never actually went bad, right? Can you imagine being guaranteed that meat wouldn't go bad. You could have your meat at whatever temperature you want without having to be worried, uh, you know, for, uh, for any issues. And they would never see a fly in the place where they would actually do the butchering of the cutting up of the animals. And it never happened that the Kayangadal actually had a, a, a seminal emission on Yom Kippur, the seminal emission which would have rendered them unfit for, for the service. And they never found any sort of soul, any sort of disqualification when it came to the Omer. The Omer is the measurement of the barley that they would bring on the second day of Pesach. They never found any sort of soul in that barley that would render it that they'd have to go get more barley. Or in the two loaves of bread. What are the two loaves of bread? Those are the two loaves of bread that are brought on Shavuos from the very first, um, the, the first, um, the, the, the harvest that was done after Pesach. They would take two loaves of bread from the very finest white wheat flour and they would bring it to the, the carbon that they never found either any sort of problem with it. And in the Lacham Apanim, the showbread that they would bring every single week, they never found any issues either. Another miracle, when they would stand very closely packed together, when they bow down, there's still space. Never did a snake or a scorpion actually cause damage to somebody in Yerushalayim. And never did anyone ever say, it's too tight for me and I can't find a place to sleep tonight in Yerushalayim. Where I ask the obvious question. You start off by telling us there's 10 miracles that happened in the base of Mikdash, right, in the temple. And then you finish with, <coughs> in your list, you have two of your 10 are actually miracles that happened in Jerusalem and not in the temple. What's going on here? There were two other miracles that happened in the base of Mikdash, aside from these, the eight that we listed and two that happened in Yerushalayim. Not once did, did rains, remember it's an open, an open uh, area, right? And never once did rains actually cause that the fire of the of the uh, fire of the the pile of wood that they piled up on the mizbeach, the altar. Never once did rain cause it to go out. The ashen amaracha and the smoke that comes off out of out of the um, the wood pile. The smoke that's coming off of the fire of wood, right? No matter what sort of wind comes, the smoke doesn't waver. The gemara is going to explain. It doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't waver at all, but we'll see what the gemara says it means. Are there no more miracles that happened? 
What happens is like this. The halacha is that every time they would cook, every time they would cook, uh, you know, a carbon, right? A carbon chaptas would be cooked in and boiled in a uh, in a pot, right? Now the pot was a kli charas. It was made out of um, pottery. Now, if it had the flavoring, it had the not the flavoring, the absorptions of the the chaptas, the carbon chaptas within it, then the next day those absorptions would now cause a problem of of, um, of nosak that's left over past its time period. Okay, so what would they have to do with that? Is there is no way to fix that? You cannot bring that back out. You have to actually cause it to just get broken. And when it got broken, it would actually get swallowed up in the ground, so to speak. I'm gonna buy it. I also said my ra'a, also the crop and the, and the feathers, but dishem is and the the uh, the clearings of the ashes from the earlier from the interior altar and the clearing of the menaira nivloin b'mekayim also get swallowed up in their place. These are also miracles. Gemara says sule The three different types of things that we said never these disqualifications never actually happened. The disqualification of the omer, disqualification of the shnei lechem, disqualification of the bread, the two loaves that are brought in shavuos, disqualification of the carb of the lechem upon them that are brought every week. That's all considered one miracle. Afik treva ayel tre. So take out two and put in two. Gemara now says, one second, if so, well, then all these different cases where things are swallowed up by the ground, that should also just be considered as one case total. So then we're still missing one, one case. We only have nine miracles. There's another miracle. There's a great miracle that happened with the bread, showbread. So they would, when they took it out after the week is up, it would be exactly the same way as it was when they brought it in. What does this mean? Shinemar says in the Pasik. Lashum Lachem Khim Biyoim Hilakai. The bread is going to be as hot on the day that you take it as it was on the day that you put it in. The Sulaka, there are no more miracles. This matter is a miracle and not a miracle, is a tradition in our hands from our forefathers. Makam Arain Ainaminamida. The space of the Arun is not considered to be part of the measurement, right? This is the famous idea that we mentioned in the past, space-time continuum. That as one gets closer and closer to the presence of God in this world and the, the place in which the, the resonance of Hashem is present is the most clear, is the closer and closer we get into the Holy of Holies. The space-time continuum no longer applies. And therefore, although there's exactly 20 amas of space in the, in the, the um, the, 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 not the length, the width of the room, I'm sorry, the length of the room of the Kedesh HaGadashim. And you had these two giant, uh, gigantic um, keruvim, these gigantic cherubs that Shlomo HaMalach built, and their wingspans were 20 amas total. It did not make a difference that the Aaron was actually in between those two spaces. The Aaron did not take up any space at all, because it was the, the holiest of holy, it didn't take up any space at all. And he also says that they were standing in a miraculous way. So we say that there are other miracles. So why do you say there's only 10? There's more than 10. The only miracles we talked about are the miracles that were on the outside. They were in the places in which other people were able to go, but not the miracles that were in the interior and nobody would be able to see it unless you were a Kayin or a Kayin Gadol. The miracle of the showbread that it stayed warm from one Shabbos to the next is also going to be a miracle that is on the interior part and never gets out to the exterior part. So it should also be in the category of miracles we do not talk about. No, is different. It's considered to be a miracle of an outside miracle. The Amar says, What is that which says, on the pure table in front of Hashem? The fact that it says it has to be on a pure table indicates that it could be a table that could become Tameh. 
the table that you put the showbread on. And one second, the showbread table is a table that is made out of wood. And the purpose of this table is to have items on it. The table that is meant to stay put, cannot become ritually impure. The chayzitz b'tein toma can even serve as a mechitza, as a partition to protect against toma coming into a place. So how could it be that this table could have the capacity to become impure if the wooden table that's meant to stay in its place and does not have a receptacle? The fact that we're seeing it has to be on a table that is pure is an indication that it could have become impure. How could it become impure if it stayed in its place? The answer is that when it was shalish regalim time period, when the people were coming up during the three holidays, right? So they would actually lift up this, the, the table that the showbread was on and lift it up so that everyone could see it. And they would smell it and they'd see the steam wafting off of the bread and see that it's still completely fresh. What do we see from here? What would they tell them at this time? As they would say to them, come look at your, uh, the, uh, the, not dedication, uh, um, beloved, right? See how beloved you are in front of HaKadosh Baruch that when the when the at the time that the bread was taken off, it was the same fresh as it was at the time that it came in. Shemit says in the Pasik, Lasum Lachem Khim Biyoim Elkeyu. That should be the bread should be as fresh on the day that you take it off as it was on the day that you put it on. So we see from here the miracle of the showbread, although the showbread actually was typically inside of the Kodesh, inside of the holy region where only the Kohanim would go. It's still considered to be an exterior miracle because they actually would show everyone that it was an exterior miracle. They would make sure everyone recognized this miracle. The fascinating idea, it's unclear exactly what this is referring to, but he put in the, these trees, the golden trees, and these golden trees had these golden fruits on it. And it actually would produce um, fruits in its time period. Unclear if this means that this miracle is that it was a golden tree that produced fruits that you could eat, or it meant a golden tree that would produce fruits of gold, right? Which would be, as we, the proverbial, if you think money goes on trees, well, actually, in the base of Mikdash, it does. Now, that's another miracle. When the wind would blow at them, the fruit would fall off the tree, then new ones would grow. That the, the fruits should be like the uh, something to do with the, the Lebanon, right? Which Lebanon does not mean Lebanon over here, but Lebanon is one of the ways we describe the Besamekdash because it makes our sins white. When the, when the, when the non Jews came into the Hechal, into the holy place of the temple, Yavesh, they became dried up. Shemet says, And the prach, the flower of Lebanon, of, of the temple, umlal, it, it goes away, it dries up. Hashem is going to return in the third base. It says, It will blossom and blossom and uh, it'll be, um, uh, you know, in a, in a state of rejoicing. Gila is one of the names of, of rejoicing, right? So Gilas Ranan, Ranan is another uh, singing, right? Like from Rina. Kavait Alavanan and Nasanla. And the, and the, um, the Kavait Alavanan will be given back to it, referring to this tree. So one second, so we just listed, there's a way more than 10 miracles at this point. So the question continues, why are we only saying 10? We are not talking about the types of miracles that happen on a regular basis that were a permanent existence. We're talking about miracles that would come and go, and then at certain points you can see it, at certain points you can't see it. Now that you said this, then some of your other questions also fall off. You didn't need to explain that the reason why we didn't count the Arun, the Ark and the Kruvim, that they didn't take up any space, as being a miracle that happened on the interior, and that's why we didn't count it. It's a miracle that is a fixed miracle, and that's why we don't count it. Amar Mar said, 
that the smoke of the pile of wood. And was there smoke from the pile of wood? There are five things that they said about the smoke. I'm sorry, about the fire of the wood pile that's happening on the Mizbeach, okay? It was crouching like a lion. And it was as clear as the sunlight. I'm not sure what this, you know, to understand this, you definitely are going to have to take a big look at, uh, at the Marashah, who I imagine is going to go through this at like, great length. This is clearly an agadic, uh, a Gothic conveil of truths. And it had something in its, it wasn't just a flame, which is, I don't know exactly what a flame is, but it's not a solid thing, right? It doesn't take up space, so to speak. Uh, but this one did. And if it had wet wood, it wouldn't make any difference to it. It did not give up any smoke. Like this. So, so when we talk about the, the fire, they were saying right now that this smoke, right, the implication was that this smoke would actually be a, a beautifully, perfectly straight smoke. Question on this was, what do you mean? There is no smoke. We just got finished saying in this price, so there is no smoke at all from the wood that you put on the fire. The answer is like this. The smoke that we're talking about that is going to be absolutely straight is referring to the smoke from the wood that people had brought as a nadava. People had brought as an offering. They brought wood that, you know, as a sign of, you know, free will offering. That could actually produce smoke, but the smoke that was as part of the, um, the service that does not produce smoke. The time we learned in Raisa, and the sons of Aaron, the Kohen, they put fire on the Mizbeach. And even though fire comes from heaven, it is a mitzvah to bring wood from the we, the Kahanam had a mitzvah to bring wood onto the Mizbeach every day, two loaves of wood on two, two logs of wood onto the Mizbeach every day, even though fire actually came from heaven. So therefore, when we talk about the, the divine fire, the divine fire had certain qualities. The fire that was added by the wood that we added on a daily basis, that did not have those same, you know, miraculous qualities. It was crouching down like a lion. I saw it and it was crouching like a dog. It was a lion. It was like a dog. Okay, and presumably it has to do with the, the, the greater um, holiness that one had than the other, right? The lion is the king of beasts. Was there any fire at all, a divine fire in the second? Right? The build this house, right? Build, the, build it and I, it will come. No, build it and I will be honored, right? Possibly in Haggai. The Karina, the Ikavda. We read it as if it should be read, the Ikavda. So why is there no, why does it just say the ikaved and not the ikavda? The reason why it's missing the hay is to, is to hint to the miramis, to hint to the fact that there are five things that were missing from the second base of Mikdash that were in the first base of Mikdash. Elohim, these are they. Arain is missing the second base of Mikdash, the ark. The kapores and the, the cover that was on the, uh, in between the, the, uh, in between, on the actual, uh, on top of the, the Aaron, that's also missing. The Kruvim and the Kruvim, the cherubs are missing. Eish, the fire, Eshlina, and Hashem's presence. And aside from that, there also is no more Ruach HaKadosh, and also the Urum Betumim, special breastplate that had the ability to answer questions, was missing the second base of Mikdash. So we see the second base of Mikdash did not have the fire, did not have the divine fire. So you can't tell me, oh, when it says the smoke, is like, uh, when it says the, 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 the fire is the shape of a lion, is the one base to make this fire shape is like a dog. Second base to make this, that's not true. There was no fire second base. Amri, they say, yeah, in Mu Mihave Indeed, there was fire from heaven still. 
However, but it did not burn the it did not burn the sacrifice the same way that it burned in the first place. It says that there is no Shina in the second basin. Yeah, there was no there was no sense of divine presence in the second basin. Wow. The second basin was a pallid, pallid imitation of the first basin. The Medrash tells us that when the when the uh, the people who had actually been alive, there were a couple of elders who had been young when they had left the first base of Mikdash and they came back to build the second base of Mikdash. And and for them it was it was not such a rejoice, rejoice and uh, you know, a joyful moment because they they knew what they were missing, right? You know, us, we don't even know what we're missing, right? We're we're so many levels past that that for us if we go to the second base of Mikdash, we would be we'd be on on a high and uh, on fire, you know, not quite literally, but you know, uh, as a pun. Um but but the ones who lived in in a sense where there's a palpable you know flavor, right? To be clear, there's a children's song, right? Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere, right? What exactly does that mean, right? Does, does Hashem have a, 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 a um, an actual place where He lives in this world? So last week I did the, the eighth chapter in uh, in Kings, and the eighth chapter in Kings talks about the building of the Mikdash, and when they inaugurate the Beis Mikdash, Shlomo Melech basically says, Hashem, can a house contain you, right? So to be clear, like we talk about the Shechina. We have to understand what we mean exactly. We have to understand what the lack of shechina means, right? It means the, in terms of a manifestation, in terms of a, of a presence of a divine cloud, right? That divine cloud is not found in the second place of Mikdash. We learned in the Raisa, there were six types of fires. There's fire that eats and doesn't drink. There's one that eats and drinks. One that eats up, um, you know, even wet matter, like it eats up the dry matter. And there's fire that pushes fire away. There's fire that eats up other fire. So the fire that eats and doesn't drink. That's our fire. Because if you make a fire, guess what happens? You pour water on it, the fire goes out. By the way, if you have a wax fire or oil fire, don't put water on it because that will make the fire splash all over. Right? Instead of there, you're actually supposed to choke it of, of, um, of ear, of oxygen. It drinks and it doesn't eat. That's fire, not really fire, but that the chaylin, the people who are sick, right? If somebody is sick, then it is, um, it takes away all of their, um, it doesn't eat, but it takes away all of their um, their, their liquid, it can dry it out, dehydrated. He's going to eat and drink. So it says, right? There's a story of Eliyahu that he has a fire and the fire is coming from Hashem and it is able to drink up water, so to speak, right? Able to eat something that's moist, like dry, that's the fire of the wood pile. fire that pushes fire away to Gabriel. Gabriel's ash is able to push away other fire, right? Gabriel is, um, I think, I think this is the Gemara Msach that he is referring to. I think we learned the Gemara that talks about how Hashem's presence is going to protect the people who are Balei Tshuva from getting harmed by the Satan, and it will be with the fire of fire pushing away the, the accusing fire. Mar says, right? That he, he sticks out his finger amongst them and he burns them. Okay. But once again, let's go back now to, uh, to analyzing this idea that the smoke of the fire will end up not going anywhere. We said any all of the winds in the world will not cause this fire to go anywhere, the smoke to go anywhere. says, on the night after the final day of Sukkot, everybody was looking at the smoke coming out of the fire. And what were they looking at? And they clap itself, and if the smoke was going towards the north, then the poor people were happy, and the people who owned land were very sad. 
What happens like this? It's going to be a lot of rain. If, it, if the smoke is pointing towards the north, it means there's going to be a lot of rain this year. If there's a lot of rain this year, this is a very good thing for poor people, not so good for wealthy people. Why? Because if there's a very wet and humid year, then things do not last. They don't store well. But there'll also be a lot. It'll be a bumper crop. It won't store well. So the, the price of the crops will have to go down. There'll be no uh, you know, holding on to commodities because they're going to go bad quickly. Not the clap darm, but it's pointing towards the south. Poor people were sad, and the, the people who own land were happy. Right? These evil rich people, right? They're, they don't want to share the wealth, right? So the, the Gishme, the Shana, there will be very little rain this year. They just don't want to pay their fair share. Yeah. Exactly. We need to do some, some really uh, hard, hardcore distribution of wealth over here because this is not working. Yeah. So what happens is like this. There's going to be a lot of a very little rain this year. Then what will happen is, the first of all, there won't be that many fruits. And second of all, whatever fruits are left will be able to command a very high price because they could do, you know, they could hold on to the fruits and not, and not distribute it because it will last a long time. Not the clap If it goes towards the east, then everyone is happy. Everyone is happy because it's the perfect exact mixture of having a decent amount of rain, a lot of fruit. It's not going to, it won't end up, um, it won't end up going bad because there won't be too much rain, but it'll still be a lot of fruit. So everybody is basically at that point in which everybody is somewhat happy. It's not not the perfect for anything, but it's the most people are the most are happy at the same time. If it goes to the west, then it's bad news because then it means that it's going to be very dry and it'll actually cause serious problems. Now, what we're trying to bring out for this whole Gemara is what? We're trying to this whole Gemara that the smoke does move. The smoke is not directly straight up, right? Gemara says, the Azo, the Asi, Kedikli, right? The Avduri, Lehave Mivder. But the Gemara is saying like this. What will happen is it will indeed go like this sometimes, like that sometimes, like this sometimes. But typically with smoke, the wind will cause it to go back and forth and back and forth. It will sway back and forth, so to speak, right? Sometimes the wind will push it this way, sometimes that way. This time it's going to go straight up most of the time. And then sometimes it'll go straight this direction, straight that direction. It'll be like a straight, like it'll look like a, a light beam from the 9-11, you know, memorial show, right? And when it goes to the east, everybody is happy. When it goes to the west, everyone is unhappy. For a minute, we'll ask you a question. The east wind is always good. The west wind is always bad. And the north wind is good because it's good for the wheat, right? So why? At the time that the wheat is already grown to one third, then the wind is going to be good for it. The kashalization, but it's bad for olives, is not at the time that they've already reached a certain stage, one third growth. The north wind, when the wind is coming from the, I'm sorry, from the south, the south wind. Kashalchitin is bad for the wheat. Kashalchitin at the time it's been to one third of its size. The yafalization, but it's good for the olives. It's not shein chaitin. And that's one third of their size. The Amr Vyesu, the Simanech and the Simen, the, the hint to remember this idea that when it is coming from the south, it is good. Sorry, when it's coming from the south, it is good for the olives, bad for the wheat, if they've only, only gotten to one third so far. And when it's coming from the north, it's good for the wheat, bad for the olives. How do you remember which way is which? Shulchan Batsafan. The table is in the north, the Menera Badaram, and the Menera is in the south. So what are we trying to say? Since the Menera is in the south southern part of the Beis Hamikdash, and the Menera is towards the northern part of the Beis Hamikdash, so if it's something, if the if the wind is coming from the north, then you recognize it's going to be for the Shulchan. The Shulchan, which is bread, is coming from wheat. If the wind is from the south, then you recognize it's good for the oil that goes in the Menera. Yura says, "Hi." Marbet Dide, this one it will be good for it, right? And Bahai Marbet Dide, and this one will be good for that one, right? In other words, the south one will be good for the Manera, which is in the south. North one will be good for the table, which is the wheat. Like Kasha. So, in other words, the question is one second. 
O'Hara is saying that's not so simple that everything is good. That sometimes the north wind is going to be good for this type of crop, not that type of crop, vice versa. Like Kasha Halan Mahalahu. When it is in, in Babel, right, then that is something that the east wind is always going to be good, right? It's a different category. Mahalahu. But in Eretz Yisrael, then it might sometimes be bad. Hajran Allah Shivas Yaman. So we finished the first parak of Yuma. Right? So moving right along as we are up to, what Masakh are we up to now? Number, numbers, we are up to, we did Brachas. Shabbos, Erevin, Shkalim, Sachem, and Yuma. We're up to Masechta number six already. We're moving, we're moving right along. I think we're probably up to like 500 lot already. Right? You guys should be proud of yourselves. 